Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well, and I am fine and pleased and thrilled to be with you live today. Um, Yesterday, we read an article from Crisis Magazine Online called A Hill to Die On, and it is the hill of the city, um, uh, the church set on on a hill uh, to be a light to the world. And basically, if we don't live our faith Um, The family, our own personal family, will continue to be destroyed, and so will civilization, because the family is the absolute key to the survival of civilization. Um, And I've I've said numerous times that uh, the whole effort for same-sex so-called marriage, which is not marriage, uh, ideology, um, gender ideology, and um, all of this transhumanism, all of this has one goal, beloved to destroy the family for 2,000 years the enemy has tried to destroy the church that our Lord established uh, on the foundation of Israel the prophets and um, uh, apostles and prophets uh, just as he tried to destroy God's people from Adam and Eve on the very first couple that God formed for himself And he will not stop. And since he cannot utterly destroy the people of God, um, as he was not able to through the Old Testament because Christianity was founded on Israel, all Israel did not reject God because all the apostles and prophets were Israelites. The church was founded on Israel, on a remnant to be sure. And if you look through the um, uh, eras of history, um, you'll see that God's faithful were always dwindled to an to a um, to a remnant. Always, it was Joshua and Caleb alone after the disobedience and unbelief of Israel, and they traveled forty miles, forty years. I'm so sorry, forty years through a wilderness to cover an eleven day journey. It took them forty years because they spied out the land, the new promised land, for forty days. And uh, they came back and they said they were afraid. They scared the people. They're giants in the land. So they wouldn't go in. Only Joshua and Caleb went in. God punished the people. And he said, for every year, for every day, you spied out the land, which was 40 days. You would wander in the wilderness for a year. So 40 years was their punishment. But finally, Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land and the rest of the Israelites died off, uh, never entered. And so many through God's people grew, the seed of Abraham grew, became as numerous as the stars of the sea, and it was on the people Israel through Abraham, through his son Isaac, through his son Jacob, through his son Judah, through the family of David, that the Messiah was born. Both Joseph and Mary are from the line of David. Um, 
And Joseph is not his natural father, but Joseph still needed to be, even to be the foster father, he needed to come from the royal line of David, and he did. And Mary as well, and the Messiah was born um, through the line of Judah, um, and uh, is God, took flesh in a 15-year-old virgin who was preserved free from original sin at the moment of her conception in her mother Anne's womb. And so the church has grown from that day. The Messiah born this Christmas um, uh, grew up uh, a very silent life and at age 30 began his public ministry and at 33 was put to death on the cross by the Romans at the um, cry of the Jews, crucify him. All of us put him to death. Was it the Jews? Yes. Was it the Romans? Yes. The fact is, it was me. It was sin that put him to death. He died for us. He came to die and establish his church on Israel because he was born in the old covenant. There was no new covenant. And at the last supper, it was a Passover supper. It was the Passover meal that referred back to Exodus chapter 12, where they had to take a lamb, a male, a one-year-old, without blemish, without spot, representing a holy God, and they would slay the lamb and pour the blood of the lamb on the altar as an offering for the sins of man, and then they were to eat the lamb. Um, And Jesus came as the only acceptable Lamb of God. And at that Passover dinner, the last supper, the last Passover supper was the last Passover of the Old Covenant and the first Mass of the New. The Mass is the Passover fulfilled in the Passover Lamb, who is Christ. They were all Jews. And he established his church on Israel. And he said, okay, now the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. And that's what began the church. The Jews did not fail, only because of God's working in them, God's power and God's grace. Because now Christianity, the church Christ established, is all over the world. And it's not because of the rejection of the Jews. It's because of their exception. It's because... They were faithful, a remnant again. Well, here we are 2,000 years later. The Catholic Church that our Lord established based on Israel is Jewish. Its roots, it's Jewish. And it, it, it's not a Jew and Gentile separate people anymore. The middle wall of partition was broken down, and Jew and Gentile have become one. They're still Jew and Gentile but they become one in Christ. Just as a husband and wife marry, they're still man and woman, but they become one in Christ. But they don't stop being man and woman any more than Jewish people stop being Jewish when they enter the church that Christ, the Jewish Messiah, established. They no longer practice Judaism as in the Old Covenant or even post-Rabbinic Judaism following Christ because they're no longer Jews waiting for the Messiah. They are Jews who have recognized their Messiah and have given their life to him and have been filled with their life and are part of his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So now we're 2,000 years later We're about in the same position the Jews were 2,000 years after Adam and Eve. We're a remnant. We're a remnant. The majority of Jews have been 
uh, in the old covenant were not faithful. The, but God used the remnant. And the majority of Catholics today, forget the rest of the world, Catholics are not faithful. We are the remnant. The remnant, I, I hope, is a, a few million, I don't know. But it's a remnant now that will not leave the church, that will not abandon Christ because of Judas, because of all the wayward um, uh, shepherds, because of the gross amount of evil that's being done in the church, let alone outside the church. We will not abandon him. And so yesterday I said, after reading the article, A Hill to Die On, if we don't have a hill to die on, beloved, we do not have a hill to live on. Because for me, the only thing worth living for is that which is worth dying for. And if the faith is not worth dying for, do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, eat, drink, and be merry. If Christ is not raised, if this isn't true, what are you bothering to limit yourself and limit your pleasures? What do you do? Go, go eat, drink, and be merry. But it is true. Um, and so we want to live for him with all our heart. And I think today's article, actually it was also yesterday's article, two wonderful articles in Crisis Magazine uh, online. Um, one was a hill to die on, and the other I'll read today is the actual changes the church needs today. The changes are us, beloved. We have met the enemy and we are it. It is us, beloved. And the article says, uh, written by Regis Nicole, if the church is to restore the moral landscape and fulfill the Great Commission, the work of restoration must begin with the church itself. <clears throat> now, don't worry about counting on bishops or even the Vatican. Don't worry about that. Listen to what he's written. Moral norms of millennia are being upended in ways that are contrary to Christian tradition, the natural order, and even physical reality. This is a tectonic shift in culture that the church has not been effective in slowing, much less halting. If the church is to restore the moral landscape and fulfill the Great Commission, the work of restoration must begin with the church itself. And I'll say, and you may say, well, yeah, but Mother, look at the shape it's in. This is just awful. And we can't count on the Holy Father and the bishops at the car. And I said, I know, I know. But neither could Israel, when Christ came, count on their leaders. We're in the same situation. We could start with 12 apostles all over again. It's not impossible. More than 1,700 years ago, St. Anthony the Great envisioned a day when men will go mad, and when they will see someone who is not mad, they'll attack him, saying, you are mad. You are not like us. That day is here. Christian moral teaching, once believed essential for human flourishing and the common good, is increasingly viewed as naive at best and harmful at worst with anything less than unqualified approval for everything. So grounds for questioning a person's intelligence, rationality, and decency. In less time than it took for the transition from flip phones to smartphones, what had been unthinkable has become questionable. And I'll tell you those questionable things, which you probably know yourself, as soon as we return from the break, beloved. And following the second break, we'll take your calls, your text, and your emails with anything on your heart. We'll be right back. Don't go away. 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts. From planned gifts to employer matches, we even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please, consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. I think we have to go into prayer knowing that we're being contested for. Oh, yes. Uh, if we didn't have guardian angels guarding us, we would, we would be... Uh, Suckers and losers infallibly to immensely superior forces. Uh, the devil's terrified of prayer. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We have been, we are in the middle of an article uh, on Crisis Magazine online and um, uh, speaking about, let me just see, uh, get that title again, the actual changes the church needs today. And beloved, um, if you're half awake, you know what's going on in the church and in the world. And as a Catholic, and because I've said this, I I think we are, if not totally, absolutely, largely to blame, the Catholics, the Catholic Church, because uh, in the Old Testament you could say, but the whole world was pagan. It was just that little group of Jewish uh, people that were trying to follow God, and yeah, they failed, but they tried. Well, that's what God set up. Uh, he's not complaining about the rest of the world. He formed a people to evangelize the rest of the world. And the church is that. So don't say, well, what happens to even Protestants or non-Catholic Christians or Muslims or atheists? What about them? They've contributed to this mess. I don't care. It's not the point. God has built his church to be a city on a hill. We are the people who are called out. We are them. God didn't give everybody else the commission. He gave it to us, and we have failed miserably. 
No one is our standard except God, his church, and his word that came through his church. And so the, the degradation of society has gone so fast, and the article, the author of this article says in less time than it took for the transition from flip phones to smartphones, what had been unthinkable has become unquestionable. <clears throat> Marriage, the exclusively heterosexual union uh, since time immemorial, has been redefined to include persons of any and all sexual persuasions. Children who are not allowed to choose their bedtime are permitted to choose their gender. Teens who cannot receive an aspirin from the school nurse are able to procure abortions without parental notification. Gender-confused adults are leading drag queen story hour for children in public schools and libraries. Biological males who are middling athletes among men are competing and winning against women, a biological category that some people, it seems, don't know or have forgotten how to define. It is madness, and anyone willing to call it out faces the risks of shunning, shaming, loss of livelihood, or worse. Having infected the major artifacts of culture, the arts, academia, media, government, and even the marketplace, the condition has led theologian Carl Truman to the bracing conclusion that within five years we will witness a significant disruption across all major representatives of the Christian faith, leading to a split between those who find a way to accommodate to the world's term of good citizenship and those whose fidelity to Christ will lead to varying degrees of internal exile within this earthly cities, within this earthly city. Beloved, we are exile. St. Augustine said that heaven is our motherland. We are exiled from our motherland as long as we are on this earth. Whether or not Truman is right about the future, the lesson from history is that the remedy for this condition will not come by way of political influence or cultural accommodation. Deep-rooted in the body politic is the notion that the solution to any social problem is a matter of getting the right people in office and the right laws on the books. But as Christians should know, favorable political outcomes are no guarantee that Christian values will be upheld. Recall that it was Ronald Reagan, the Republican governor of California, who pioneered no-fault divorce in 1969. Four years later, Roe v. Wade Roe v. Wade was decided during a Republican administration by a Supreme Court in which six of the nine justices had been selected by Republican presidents. Then there was the late Anthony Kennedy, appointed by President Reagan, who voted against socially conservative positions for more than three years. Most recently, 12 Republicans in the Senate and nearly four dozen in the House, including some who self-identify as Christian, helped pass the misleading Respect for Marriage Act. It's anything but respect for marriage, beloved. Rather than codifying respect for marriage as it has been understood and upheld throughout human history, 
most recently in the bipartisan 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, the new bill is a threat to religious liberty by further establishing the redefinition of marriage as a genderless institution through force, force of law. Even the great political victory for Christian values over the last half century, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, will not end abortion in places where people have rationalized it and legislators have legalized it. Considering that, according to a recent Pew survey, 61% of Americans, including a majority of those in most Christian denominations, believe that abortion should be legal in all or most circumstances. The end of abortion, as well as other things unthinkable, will not happen without a change in the moral imagination. It is the kind of change that Ronald, Ronald Reagan once suggested begins at the dinner table. Listen, beloved, this is so important. I'll repeat this sentence. It is the kind of change that Ronald Reagan once suggested begins at the dinner table, the safe conversational space for sharing observations, voicing opinions, and developing arguments that can be pitched at the dinner party, church potluck, company picnic, and town hall meeting to effect change, not from the top down by political pressure, but from the bottom up by personal persuasion in conversations that are full of grace and seasoned with salt. But only an imagination shaped by the law of nature and nature's God can engender change that is conducive to the flourishing of creation and the betterment of mankind. Cultivating that imagination in the formation of change makers is the calling and duty of the church. More on that in a moment, he says. In the mid to late 1960s, with church membership in the U.S. around 73%, churches began experimenting with ecclesiastical forms in the effort to attract non-believers and grow the church. Initially, this is in quotes, seeker-sensitive changes were more about style than substance with the introduction of contemporary music and instrumentation, revised liturgies, modern architecture, informal vestments, and cappuccino. But it wasn't long before substance was affected as well. To avoid transgressing popular notions about personal autonomy and well-being, off-putting concepts like personal sin, guilt, and repentance were downplayed or avoided altogether, along with clearing church teaching on emerging cultural norms regarding sexual expression and identity. During the transition, three things happened. As reported by Gallup, church membership, which had held steady since 1940, began falling, gradually at first, then precipitously around 2000 to an all-time low of 47% in 2022, this past year. LifeWay research found that the popular view of the church as a positive influence in society fell to a low of 52%, but perhaps most notably, some disturbing trends had developed within the Christian community. In his 2001 book, Growing True Disciples, George Barner reported, quote, 
to the naked eye, the thoughts and deeds, and even many of the religious beliefs of Christians are virtually indistinguishable from non-believers. End quote. Six years later, he similarly reported, in evaluating 15 moral behaviors, born-again Christians are statistically indistinguishable. He said, well, those are Catholics. No. Born-again Christians, where if you're not born again, Catholic or not, you're not a Christian. Catholics are born again, absolutely, through baptism. Um, uh, let's see now. Um, so in evaluating 15 moral behavior, behaviors, born-again Christians are statistically indistinguishable from non-born-again adults on most of the behaviors studied. The studied behaviors included lying, substance abuse, and extramarital sex. Since then, little has changed. In 2021, the, uh, what's called the American Worldview Inventory reported the vast majority of American adults self-identify as Christian and embrace many of the basic tenets of the faith, but hold views clearly in conflict with traditional teachings, and only 9% actually possess, possess a biblical worldview. For example, only 32% believe that non-marital sex is wrong. 46 believe that the marriage of one man to one woman is God's plan for humanity. 46% of Christians, Catholic and not Catholic. In other words, the average pew sitter is a belonging, not a belonging non-believer. That is, a person belonging to a Christian church, but whose beliefs by profession and practice conflict with historical Christian teaching. What's more, he sits in a church where only 37% of executive pastors have consistent biblical beliefs and behaviors, according to the 2022 American World View Inventory. It brings to mind what the 18th century churchman Joseph Milner had to say about the moral condition of Great Britain in his day, quote, it is an affecting consideration to reflect what a number of clergymen there are without any concern for their own salvation or that of the flocks committed to their charge. In the first apology, that's the title of Justin Martyr, uh, his apologetic work. Justin Martyr went as far as to say, let those who are not found living as Christ taught be understood to be no Christians, even though they profess with the lip the precepts of Christ. Sadly, but not surprisingly, cohabitation has become the new norm among young, professing evangelicals. Over one half of abortions are performed on Christian women. Those who attend church more than monthly account for over 40% of unwed pregnancies. And lifestyles, contrary to scripture, are growing in church acceptance. All the while, church scandals have become ever more frequent. All of this suggests that the church has been influenced more by the culture than has the culture by the church. That Yet this is nothing new. Beloved, um, when we come back from this break, I will take your texts, your calls, your emails, but I'm going to finish this article. We're not far from the end. 
um, it's very, very crucial and important. I would finish it tomorrow, but tomorrow is Saturday and we have a weekend before us. So I will finish it when we come back. You're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother@thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. I was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with a spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 20th. Today we celebrate St. Sebastian. We know little about the life of today's saint, but we do know it was heroic. That's why the Church honors the late 3rd century martyr who is considered the patron saint of archers, as well as physicians, soldiers, and many police associations. Though Sebastian is often depicted in art pierced with arrows, it is believed he did not die from such wounds. The Emperor Diocletian, who ordered the death of Sebastian, his crime being a Christian, was infuriated when Sebastian recovered from arrow wounds. So the Emperor chose a more certain weapon. He had Sebastian clubbed to death. Devotion to the young martyr spread rapidly. He was buried in Rome on the Appian Way, probably near the present Basilica of St. Sebastian. He was also venerated as a Roman martyr in Milan, suggesting that he might have been born or educated there. The fact that many of the early saints awakened widespread devotion and great praise is proof of the heroism of their lives. The legends about St. Sebastian may not be literally true, yet they reveal the faith and courage evident in his life. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour, and it's supposed to be fully ours. But I'm going to continue reading this article. We'll complete it, and then I'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails. If you've called in, uh, toll free, 1-877-511-5483. You may email at mother at the station of the cross.com and text at that number as well. Um, yesterday we finished... Um, uh, after the first, the article after the first break, and so we took your calls 15 minutes earlier today. We may take your calls after the next break. We'll see how quickly we can complete this article. But it's the key. It's the key to society. The Pope is not the key. The Vatican is not the key. The cardinals are not the key. The bishops are not the key. The priests are not the key. They have all done, I can't say their share, in destroying the church. Um, they have uh, they have no share. 
by God in destroying the church, but they have uh, fallen and done great, great harm to the sheep. Not all of them, many good priests, many good bishops, uh, heroic cardinals, but in large measure, uh, the bishops have been silent. And if they either teach error or heresy and could care less for the souls of the sheep, or they're silent, which to me is um, uh, is an attack on the sheep as well. How will the sheep know whose voice to hear if they don't hear the shepherd? So that is, to be silent, dear bishops, is to destroy the flock entrusted to your care. I'll continue with this article, which says, In the first century, the Apostle Paul reproved the churches that were bending to the pressures of culture by allowing false teaching, weak teaching, and the lack of church discipline to endanger the spiritual health of their congregations. Decades later, the book of Revelation had sharp words for churches that in similar fashion were failing to address cultural compromises and influences that were putting their spiritual welfare at risk. Likewise, if the modern church is to effectively deal with the social and moral issues of the day, <clears throat> excuse me, it must first look inward and address how those issues are affecting its members and missions and why. For unless the church, by its lived witness, takes seriously the teachings of Jesus, the world will not either. In short, the change the world needs must begin with the church itself. And I say with us, beloved, when Simon Peter received the keys of the kingdom, they came with the divine authority to bind together a community that would advance the kingdom after Jesus' departure. It would be a mission-driven movement made up of disciples who were being taught to obey everything I have commanded you, said our Lord. As practiced by the early church, the process of binding was much more than organizing a weekly gathering for worship, communion, and uplifting sermon. It included practical instruction in how the Lord's commands applied to the specifics of Christian living, as well as the cultural influences of Judaizing, popular philosophies, pagan practices, and other controversies of the day. And in case you're wondering what those are, just read the New Testament. Also, practice was the work of loosing, binding and loosing, that is the administration of church discipline up to and including disfellowship for members who by their beliefs and behaviors had put themselves out of communion with God and his church. And I'm just going to say President Biden and the likes who call themselves Catholic and who live a life contrary to Catholic teaching and um, um, present themselves for an abomination every time they receive communion, Um, uh, they have put themselves out of communion with God and his church, and yet the bishops allow them to continue to blaspheme God, to commit moral sin, mortal sin, to be an example that has led many to hell. As taught by Paul, the purpose of loosing is the health of the community and offender. If 
if any bishop would be brave enough, would be holy enough, would be honest enough to excommunicate President Biden. He's already excommunicated himself, but formally excommunicate him. You would do the sheep immense good, but we know you don't care. We know you don't care. You don't care for his soul, for sure, and you don't care for the rest of us to allow such things to continue. As taught by Paul, the purpose of loosing is the health of the community and offender for his soul, as well as the hope that discipline will arouse conviction, leading to repentance and restoration. Negligence in both binding and loosing might explain the loss of the church's moral witness and authority today. For whenever a church fails to address how church teaching applies to a moral issue in the culture or ignores the conduct of a member unbecoming uh, a follower of Christ, it is a signal that the church is uncertain about its teaching. It doesn't take its teaching seriously or it is satisfied with the good enough Christians occupying its pew, that is, members in so-called good standing, to the extent that they are known by the church treasurer, attend service at least periodically, and whose moral failings remain, for the most part, private. Bishops, if this is the case in your diocese, and I don't know of any diocese where it's not the case, you are failing in your ordination in your vocation, to save lost sheep, to restore them to the fold. You are letting them go on living in sin. You are letting them stay on the path to hell. A bishop who lets his sheep remain on the path to hell has to be on that path himself. You cannot care for their souls and destroy their souls, let their souls be destroyed and go to heaven yourself. It's impossible. If the manufacturing world, it is said, in the manufacturing world, it is said that if you are not satisfied with the products you are producing, you need to change the process that is producing them. Apply to the church. If the spiritual measure of Christians is wanting, the church needs to change its process of spiritual formation. The changes might include expanding the process of spiritual formation from a member-oriented class, elective programs, and Sunday services to a structured, ongoing process involving spiritual health metrics, uh, spiritual health metrics, assessments, and monitoring, monitoring as well as continuing education on historical church teaching and how it applies to the concerns and challenges of the present moment. Also, elevating the low expectations of good enough Christianity to standards of discipleship that are committed to, coached, and monitored. For instance, beliefs and behaviors are scripturally grounded. Spiritual gifts are known and being used. Personal rules of life are grounded in the spiritual disciplines. Participation in mentoring and accountability, preparedness to confront falsehood with truth and grace and engagement with the unchurched. Prioritizing kingdom growth that's measured by standards of discipleship and fruits of the spirit over church growth, not people, but fruits of the Spirit, 
measured by the size of attendance, not, not church growth measured by the size of attendance, budgets, membership roles, and campuses. Forget that. Addressing current and emerging moral issues in the culture as an integral part of catechesis for the purpose of preparing members to become agents of change in their homes and communities, and finally, by upholding and exercising church discipline for the spiritual welfare of the body and its members. The church can continue along its present path, doing what it's doing and getting what it's getting, that is, belonging non-believers who are more the products of the body politic than the body of Christ. Or they can step back for a season of self-examination to determine how to better nurture members into Christians whose convictions and conduct are informed by scripture and tradition, who understand how the deposit of faith pertains to all of life, and who out of love for God and neighbor labor to fulfill the Great Commission from the dinner table to the public square, one person at a time. Only that kind of church, Regis Nicole says and writes, only that kind of church producing that kind of Christian can bring God's glory to bear in a world turned upside down as it awaits world without end. This is an outstanding article, beloved. How I pray, how I wish that it would be read by every bishop and lived by every bishop and priest and Christian. People look at the Catholic Church and they say, you say it's the fullness of the faith? You say this is the church Christ established? Look at Catholics. They're no different than the world. And you could say, well, yeah, but look at non-Catholic Christians. They're no different in the world either. What does that prove? Christ didn't establish non-Catholic Christians. He didn't establish 50,000 denominations. He established one. No denominations. One holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, which he would lead into all truth until the end of time. But at the rate we're going, there's only going to be a small remnant who is part of that church until the end of time. You mean, Mother, the rest? 80% of people will be going to hell? I mean that. Jesus said narrow is the path that leads to life and broad is the path that leads to death and destruction. Why is it broad? Because both of them say this way to heaven. And it's broad. Most of the people are on the broad path. Jesus said it himself. Whoever says there's a reasonable hope that all will be saved is in twilight zone. Most people today are on the broad path that leads to hell. Mother, how can you judge those things? I can't judge those things. Our Lord said it. And it's obvious by their fruits you shall know them. The email I read yesterday that made me physically ill of a woman who had a relationship with a priest for two years. If that woman is listening today, I received an email from a brother this morning, a Christian Catholic brother, who said that you need, you must report that to the civil authorities, not just your bishop, but the civil authorities. And I agree. I absolutely agree. And if you say, well, they're not going to believe me because I was complicit for two years, let God be the judge of that. Let God be the judge of that. But the civil authorities need to know, and the bishop 
must know. You must write him a letter. You must report this priest. Don't worry what the priest says. Don't worry that four churches won't have a priest. Don't worry about that. Better that they don't have a priest than that they have this priest. There are churches that live for years without priests. Catholic churches. Beautiful. Um, I went to Vladivostok with uh, the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity some years ago, and they have five priests for the whole Primorsky region, Far East uh, Russia. Five priests for an area twice the size of the state of Texas, and those people had a priest who came by plane or train or car once a month, and they were the most faithful Catholics you could ever meet. Don't worry about what's going to happen to the priest or the parish, or don't worry about that. You must get this priest out of circulation. He will harm others, and he's already harming the people in those four parishes hugely because he does not believe that faith, he is not holy, and he must be removed from the priesthood. Beloved, I promise you when we come back from the music, I will take your calls if you're waiting online and as many emails as we can. God bless you. Uh, We'll be right back. Howdy. This is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. I look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and to create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Bumper magnets are a great way to promote the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic radio. We hear all the time from new listeners who were introduced to the station through a bumper magnet. We'd be happy to send you a bumper magnet so that others can come to know our Lord. Just go to thestationofthecross.com and find our bumper magnet request button under the About tab. That's thestationofthecross.com under the About tab.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes our lines are open. We do have two callers, but um, you're welcome to call in as well in our short time left if you wish. one 511 We have Paul from Worcester, Massachusetts on the line. Hello, my brother. Hello, Mother Miriam. This Hi, is my honey. first time calling you. Welcome. I'm, I'm so glad you called you. in, Paul. Now, I have the, the, uh, I have a, a problem I uh, I'm a I go I have assisted living at a place I have no driver's license but we have a priest that comes from our parish he's originally from Columbia he's a very excellent priest says mass on Wednesdays and uh, I have occasionally I fall into I believe model sin and so I want to confess and he doesn't have time to confess except right after Mass, and so he has told me that I can receive communion even though I haven't confessed yet, and then I confess immediately after and say my act of contrition, etc. I say an act of contrition beforehand, but I, my worry is I don't want to commit sacrilege. I've, I've already spoken to him a couple of times and written him letters telling him I'm disturbed about this because I'm not used to doing this type of thing, you know? I'm used to going to confessions first, and then uh, going to communion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have. Uh, I don't commit a lot of model sins, but I do. I do fall. You know, and um, we all fall, Paul. Uh, and I, you know the requirement for mortal sin, right? The three requirements: it has to be grave. Um, you have to know it's grave. You have to have free faculty to do it of your own will, not under coercion. And you know it will separate you from God, whatever it is, and you do it anyway. That is a mortal sin. Grave sins are not necessarily mortal, but if it's grave and you know it's grave and you do it of your own free will, then it's mortal. So I don't know if that's correct. Um if a priest says, let me absolve you, and not just take communion, but I absolve you before uh, Mass, and now you can confess the details after Mass, I don't know that that's correct, Paul. I, I'd, I'd have to look it up to see. I would almost say no. Um, if I were you, dear one, if I believed uh, that I was in mortal sin and the priest said to me, go ahead and receive and I'll hear your confession after. I would not, out of honor for God, I would not receive. Um, And I would ask that priest if there's any way he could get there earlier in the future for those who needed to confess before Mass. I don't want to get him in trouble. See, I was wondering if I should speak with the bishop and ask him about what the story is on that. Um... No, first speak with the priest and and say and and you go with your own conscience, dear one. Uh, if you feel you've offended God gravely like that, of your own will, I would not receive. I would honor God and hold back, and then let him hear your confession after, and you can say to him, Father, um, 
I will not receive. I will go to confession after. Can you hold a host out for me so that you can, uh, I can receive the host following absolution? Okay, Mother, I'm going to do that. Do that. And tell him how disturbing it is for you and that you just cannot consciously before God receive our Lord in that state, even though he's promised to hear your confession. So if you're in that state, just say, Father, I'm not going to receive confession because I think I'm in mortal sin. Um, He says, go ahead and receive. I said, no, I cannot consciously do that. But I will come to confession after. Um, Would you kindly hold a consecrated host out for me that I could receive following absolution? Very good, Mother. All right, sweetheart. Take your advice. It sounds very good. Okay, thank you so much, Paul. Let me know if it were. If it doesn't work, call back. Okay. All right, sweetheart. We have um, uh, Christina from Queens, New York, on the line. Hi, Christina. Hi, Mother Miriam. God bless you for everything you do for the humanity. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sweetheart. Um, um, my daughter, who is speech therapist, lives um, in Larchmont, uh, Westchester, with her boyfriend. She we, she grew up as a, I hope, devoted Catholic. I was teaching as much as I can. We prayed together, rosary. Then she went to Seattle, and she joined her there. She had to fulfill her license. Now she lives uh, over there, and um, our relationship got a little distorted because once I spoke on Father's Day that um, you cannot receive Jesus um, at all if you are not in a stage of grace. And I said other things uh, that she goes to um, psychologists and she shouldn't go there. She just needs to clear herself up uh, from sin. And, um, and Why shouldn't she go to a psychologist? Oh, because she's suffering from anxiety, so she's taking pills. I said that the pills are unnecessary, that the sin... The one that's causing her problems. Well, you can say that, but, but I wouldn't tell people not to go to a psychologist or take medication. That may help her uh, to recover uh, and to see more clearly. So I, I wouldn't come against that. But she's against you for all this, right? I also said something very hurtful, hurtful uh, but this is how I felt. I hope I'm not sinful in, in this moment. I said that half of me... If you get pregnant and bear a child, um, half of me doesn't want to meet the child, but half of me would have to love dearly the child. And um, so I want you to know all the, all, all the feelings that I hold inside. And she is very hurtful. She uh, doesn't want to text with me. But I saw her when my husband a couple of days ago on the return from um, shopping. He's in touch with um, our daughter every day. I hear her voice. Uh, she says hello to mama, but she continues to live with him. I text him. I invited okay, him Christine, to I've got to interrupt I, you because it's the end of our program. Um, you need, to, if you want to build a relationship with your daughter again, or, or repair it. You need to keep your emotions out of it. Uh, what you said to her about if she bears a child, this or that, was unnecessary and just would drive a further wedge between you. Um, just, I would meet with her and, and the man she's living with and sit down with both of them. And don't talk about your feelings or what you'll do or won't do. Talk about salvation and say, um, I, I know my emotions get out of hand sometimes, but both of you 
if you die tonight, according to Catholic teaching, you're not going to be in heaven, which means you claim to love each other and you're putting one another on the road to hell. God will not honor any couple intimacy outside of marriage. So you both need to repent, return to the faith, and let God bring you up as a good, holy couple. You need to meet with them and tell them that or write them a very good letter and keep your emotions out of it. The issue is salvation. Okay, Christine, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I must go. And I want to mention to um, our listeners that uh, we'll be going to special live coverage of the March for Life in Washington after the program today rather than regular scheduled programming. So right after Mother Miriam Live today, um, we will go. uh, The Station of the Cross will be uh, doing live coverage of the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and I know a number of people who are there. God bless all of you. Pray for that march. Um, Very, very good. Beloved, there's our closing music. Um, I don't know what I can do to encourage you all to live the faith with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is... Those are our marching orders from God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in your neighbors yourself. But I can't love my neighbor. You can. If you learn to love God, you will learn to love the people for whom he gave his life. And there's not a soul on this earth that he didn't die for. We have to stop being selfish. We have to stop living by our emotions. And we have to live for God with all that's in us. God bless you. Good weekend. Speak with you Monday, God willing.